All right. Well, welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Blue Guys, Facebook, iTunes, NetsDaily.com, Almighty Baller. Casanova opening today. Like off season pod, man. This yeah. is summer vibes. We're just rolling in the deep. We're in my new apartment. Yeah. This place is quite a spread, Miguel. Um, so, yeah, this is the new, newly unleashed Mike Smelt's apartment. It is the penthouse level of you, the same building I was in before. You must have had quite a year, Mike. <laughs> did, your, did your podcast you, take you off or something? You know what kind of year I had. Yeah. The, the amount of money this podcast is bringing in is astronomical. I can't even tell you. I could barely even do my taxes this year. It was so high. Um, you got problems. You can turn the volume back up. I don't want to do the thing where I... Because I'm going to come in with lots of drops today. It's going to be... You know, it's off season. We got to drop it, you know? You're just a baby boy. You don't know any better. Like Sorry. that, dog. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I apologize That's... to all of you guys. Uh, welcome back, Brian. Oh, is that loud? No. Yeah. No, my levels are so wildly off. I got to get my stuff together. Brian. Mike, talk to me. Welcome back. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Um, are you watching NBA playoff action? No. Me either. No. <laughs> No, but I have a lot of thoughts about it. <laughs> Me too. Very excited to get out some thoughts. I've listened to a lot of podcasts about it, so I know a thing or two. No, I have listened to, I have watched a few uh, games here and there, but, um, you know, I really click in uh, for the conference finals. You know, talk to me for the conference finals. Am I right, Mike? Am I usually I right? don't check back in until Summer League. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort of, if, I, if they're not playing uh, basketball and sort of yeah. really like see through jerseys, I'm not watching. You're scouting the West Fourth Courts right now for, for talent. <laughs> That's where you are. Um, NBA playoffs. My big takeaway is a Raptors takeaway, Brian. How does it impact the Nets? We'll figure that out. But oh. now's the time to blow up the Raptors, right? Aren't we blowing up the Raptors? Is there a tease in there for some kind of... Well, so there is some like development with which... There's two Raptors things that could apply to the Nets. One is that if the Raptors do blow it up, which I don't think they'll do, but they could, um, how does that then impact what the Nets are going to do? The Nets, do they want to steal one of those guys if they could? Is a Lowry a type of guy they want to steal? Is DeRozan, is that like, is DeRozan the opportunity that they want right now if he's going to get traded? The second thing is, I don't know if you're familiar with Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet is a restricted free agent, I just found out today, that the Raptors cannot offer more than $8.6 million to. I don't know if he's worth that much money, but... The Nets could technically steal Fred Van Vliet if they wanted to. They have the ability to do that. He's a restricted free agent, but yet the Raptors are not able to offer him as much as or more than $8.6 million. Two things to consider, Brian. But. Yeah. <clears throat> Is, do you want Fred Van Vliet? I kind of do. You do. I kind of would love him on the Nets. Yeah. Um, even though he'd be fourth point guard yeah. on the roster. We're going, we're going full 2013, 2014 Phoenix Suns. Right. You know, 50 wins. Because that worked out. With <laughs> Hey, no, they that was the year that they went from like 25 to like 48 wins or something. And then they decimated their team. Right, and then they blew it up. But they had like, you know, 15 point guards. And they chose the wrong one. The thing is, they had the secret of having twin brothers on the same team, the Morris twins. So you're saying the Lopez twins should get on the They were united. That was an issue. Reunited. Brian, what are your what are your playoff thoughts? Um, how about the Sixers series? I came in hot talking a whole, I mean, everyone did. Everyone was pretty high on the Sixers. Hard not to be, um, after, after that end of the season run and <clears throat> doing it on the defensive end and all that good stuff. They've just gotten, you know, this, this Celtics team, it, and it, it pains me to say, I'm, I could not be more butthurt about it. Cause like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are yeah sort of at the, at the crux of the whole thing. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, but but holy heck, it's a special team. And also, it's so it's so terrible. But we're going to enter into one of the weirdest Eastern Conference Finals of our lifetime. The fact that the Celtics without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward are going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, and this awful Cavaliers team, which swept the Raptors. I mean, they are bad. Uh, the Pacers should have beat them, and they are not a good team. Like I can't stress that enough. But yet they're going to be in the Eastern Conference well, Finals. Well, <clears throat> I checked it out earlier. Um, <laughs> Please tell me. Here's an interesting thing. So you know the the Cavs were like woeful in in defensive rating during the regular season and all that, leading the off season or the uh, postseason, the playoffs, the freaking playoffs in uh, in defensive rating. So it it just lends a little bit more credence to this meme that's a pretty you know a, a pretty excessive meme at, the, at this point that uh they just don't care about the regular season and they've they've not cared about the regular season to the highest degree possible this year right and even it even trickled into the first round <laughs> that's how little they <laughs> care until game seven i mean they- but like here's the thing toronto it's easy to to, to come down on them and, and say like oh what a bunch of losers and fire Dwayne casey which all all you know yeah. things that, yeah. that should happen a, a, a team that was was at least poised to win a couple of games against that that Cavalier squad, and they summarily trounced them. So, I mean, do, if you're not a believer in that, they've just like they can easily turn it on for the off season in not the off season, the playoffs. What do I keep saying? Uh, for at, like at the switch of the at the you know the drop of the hat. Um, I, and I think that that's been their sort of their mo. Like you know, um, so I, it's not that I'm saying like they're going to go on and you know have a competitive series with Golden State because I don't think they are, but um, I do expect them to get out of the Eastern Conference at this point. And they should, right? Because you look at the situation with the Celtics, is as good as the Celtics have been, and not necessarily, they actually aren't guaranteed to go to the next round. I do think there is some element of, I think the Sixers-Celtics play tonight, maybe, or tomorrow night, but we're recording this on a Tuesday. I don't actually think it's guaranteed that the Celtics are going to move on. No, the Celtics played last night, so... so and they, they, they lost last night. In they Philly. lost last night, so they play tomorrow night, probably. <clears throat> probably. So I don't think it's guaranteed. Even though the Celtics were up three nothing, I don't think it's guaranteed that uh, they will definitely go into the next round. Because I, I just mm, it is a special circumstance. There's so such a huge talent gap in terms of if you filled a bucket full of talent, whose bucket would be heavier? The Sixers' bucket would be massively amount heavier. And now it's your boy Shane Larkin. Sorry, Shane Larkin's Shane Larkin. out. Larkin's out. Larkin. Um. So that's that's a game changer, you know, to say the least. Um, but it is insane that I think if the, if Vegas could set the line, the the Cavs are going to be the favorite in that series. You would think against the Celtics, right? That the Cav because LeBron's been so incredible. I've also been very annoyed with the LeBron love. I'm not a LeBron hater. I'm not Skip Bayless, but sounds like you're a hater to but, me. I'll be honest. The I think my problem is that I should just drop out of Bleacher Report. Love Bleacher Report. We've been on Bleacher Report many Dro- times. Drop out of Bleacher. What does that mean? Drop so out. So when you have the Bleacher Report app, as everyone knows, you get the mm-hmm. notifications that tell you, you know, they tell you, oh, the Nets did this move, even though their Nets notifications are sorely lacking, mm. and I would like them to be a lot better, a lot more on top of it. I mean, there were times this season when like D'Angelo Russell would get hurt, and he was not even notified. I was not notified. I should be notified, Brian, mm. from out on top of Mount Olympus of, of Bleacher Report. Yeah. But anyways. Here's so the thing. For Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, for, for things like Twitter or whatever, like we don't have, I mean, we have a handful of followers, you know, whatever it is. Um, if you have like millions of followers, does it 
change the way that Twitter works? Because it must. There's just no way you're getting all these likes. And do they see all of these likes? Like anytime someone adds you, you're you get pinged. Like, well, you have the capability to put a low quality filter on it. A low quality filter, which would filter out all the likes and stuff like that, and only give you the really juicy stuff that you really need to know. But you could, if but, you're Joel Embiid, you could see every like if you wanted to. You could be like, notified to it. The ads, though, if somebody's adding you, someone's talking at you, you're gonna see it. Yes. You you can allow that to happen. You can allow you I think You Phil, can't can I choose certain people? Not that I don't want to hear from everybody. I'm just saying if I had a I'm just I'm just this is more of a tech conversation. You yes. Know, for our tech podcast that we're gonna be launching soon. <laughs> um but I yeah, anyways, I just what got to thinking. Technetical? Technetical? Is that what's the what's the like technical? Is that what you're getting at? Like technical, but put nets in it, Brian. Smart. Even though Nets is, is not in the name of our podcast, which was very smart of us, by the way. We do a Nets podcast, and we did not put the word Nets in our podcast. Very, very intelligent. Actually, not that SOE. <laughs> SOE. Great SOE. It's SEO. Or, oh, that one. Come yeah. on, Mike. I was trying to... If we're going so te- to get technetical, you're going to have to know these things. Technetical. Come, come on. <laughs> Hashtag technetical. Um, I'm going to get another refresher. You keep talking. Yeah. Uh, dial me up one, too. Mm-hmm. So it just becomes to the point where, like... The, the my Bleacher Report whole thing is that I'm anti-notifications. I do want to know some things that are coming into my feed. Like, I really want to know the important stuff. But I get annoyed by every email that I get that I know I don't care about, but I have to get it into my inbox. And I get notified about each one. That's just how it works. That's the agreement that we've, that we've made with the devil of the smartphone. Bleacher Report is the same way. I want to be involved in the Bleacher Report community. I want to get those notifications, the ones that really matter. I want to get the highlights that I have to see, like the Al Horford shot. That was in game three or two. I think it was game three against the 76ers. I need that notification. What I don't love are the goat emoji notifications about LeBron. <laughs> okay, one, we, we, what is goat, That's Brian? what they're sending you? What what is goat? It's the gr- the greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. <clears throat> so, you know what's you know what's funny? Can yes. I just say having walked away over into your like you know I'd walked about 20, 20 or thirty yards over into your kitchen from your living room, um, right? And uh, it's funny because like the way that we talk while we're while we're podcasting. If you talk to me in that, like, you know, the way that you were just talking to me, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? What's, <laughs> what is your problem? Why are you yelling at me this way? Um, so, yeah, this is just our performance voices. Yes. I, I noticed, you know, it's very unnatural. Mine is much more distinct. <laughs> is it? Than I, my regular, I think, because I'm oh, from your, performative. Maybe. You know me, once yeah, you put the mic in my I hand, feel, baby. I'm the Celine I Dion do, of podcasters. I do feel switched on. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Goat, no, no goat emojis. Okay. Part, okay, this is partly bleach report, partly goat emoji. Goat, goat emoji is so frustrating to me. It, you know how people say you shouldn't use the word love if you don't really love someone, or you shouldn't use the word hate unless you really hate someone. We should not be using the goat emoji unless someone is actually the greatest of all time. LeBron, not the greatest of all time. Oh, Jesus. He's not. Oh, God. I don't care what argument you're going to throw at me. The only argument that gets LeBron the greatest of all time medal is longevity and career arc and overall amount of productivity in his career. The length of time he's been productive, sure, fine. <laughs> that you can you can throw that argument at me, but I think we so, all. So here's the thing. So you're not upset with the like arbitrary or not or not arbitrary the. Um, 
it's not news to get a goat emoji and you presumably don't want to get pinged with something that's not news. It's not that that you're worried about. It's the actual, the, the context of the goat. That's yes. <laughs> I get angry if, with the goat. If it were like a goat, but like with a qualifier, like goat, like minus like five or something, you'd be more into that. If it was the greatest of right now, the gort. The gort. The gort. <laughs> the gorn? Gort. Greatest of right now. No the tea. gorn. No tea. We just thought about it, man. The Gorn. The Gorn. He's the Gorn of. He's the greatest of right now. Give me a Gorn emoji. I don't know what. I don't know what a goat with with an N would look like. Uh, a Gorn. Maybe it'd be hornless, and it would be maybe more like Gorn seems more gremlin-y. You know what I'm saying? Gorn is yeah the name of a troll. Of a troll. Yeah. So give me a troll emoji. He's a troll, which is also another thing. He's the greatest of right now. He's a Gorn, but he is not the goat. What so am don't I thinking g- of? Don't give me goats. Don't give me goats, Brian. I don't want goat emojis. I don't want a goat emoji when he hits a shot in game four of the first round. Dude, why, I'm having like a senior moment. I can't think of the name of like, what's it <clears throat> when you have a, <laughs> like a, like a root vegetable that's hollowed out? Uh, like a gourd? A gourd. Yes. A gourd. God. I'm getting old. This is happening. Like a gourd. Gourd. Greatest of... But but you can't really do a gourd emoji because people are going to think that's an eggplant and then people are going to think mm. it's a penis. Michael. Brian. What will our sponsors think? <laughs> <laughs> we have sponsors? Okay. So maybe we need to develop, and people out there, I would love if you could develop this, a gourd emoji. And I'm accepting gourd emojis for LeBron. Don't give me a goat emoji when he hits a shot in game four of round one. Don't want it. That does not qualify goat status. It's, okay? It's, you're building a case for goatness, though. I mean, aren't you? You're, no. Actually, you're not. The, the, that, no. First round, anything that happens ever in the first round of the playoffs never should qualify for the resume of goat status. That does not exist. That, I don't know an analogy. It would be like, it'd be like someone being a really good play actor, but not on Broadway. And we were discussing this actor being the greatest actor of all time. And if you're the greatest actor of all time, we're going to first look at movies. And I'm going to allow some conversation with Broadway acting. Anthony Hopkins, not Broadway, but in London, he was considered the, like the greatest Shakespearean thespian of all time. Okay? <laughs> I'll allow you that conversation. But if, but if Anthony Hopkins was performing in a play in Hartford, Connecticut, which is the first round of the playoffs, I don't consider that within my greatest player my greatest actor of all time. I've discussion. I've often thought I have a lot in common with Stephen A. Smith, and now I feel like I have another thing in common because I feel like I know what it's like to be on the other side of, <laughs> of being berated by Skip Bayless or something <laughs> with these seething hot takes about about God knows what. Good stuff though, Mike. I like where you're at. Um, Love you, LeBron. If you want to come on the pod, you yeah. can do that. Um, any other hot takes about the playoffs? Houston, Golden State—the only thing anyone cares about, right? Going forward. Right. And it's going to be hilarious. I mean, we're going to have Houston Golden State, an historically great conference finals, going again against probably Cavs Celtics, which is not the lack of talent in that finals. Conference finals is startling, Mm -hmm. Brian. Startling. Um, We're going to do a fun game today. We are going to do something that we were going to, we've been teasing out a little bit, and we're going to do it out through the rest of these few podcasts. What we are doing is sort of a season in review, but microscopic Mm. okay we are going to put players under the microscope three players for every pod and we're going to look at them through how their season was 
player comparisons for those players and then kind of what we want to see from them going forward. Mm -hmm. Each pod will feature three players. Today's pod will feature D'Angelo Russell, Joe Harris, and Quincy AC, everyone's favorite net. Um, So this is the official... So if you notice there, what we did one was one interesting person, one semi-interesting person, and one <laughs> not interesting person for every episode. Right. Yeah. Although I'm not even sure how interesting D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell really is, ultimately. Um, wow. Now I feel like I'm Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Um, not just, I mean, like, he's an interesting person and player, but, like, he's not a, a transformative portion of his career right now. He's just going into another season, you know? And it's, you know, it may, may be hopefully better. Is this, wow, you're, you're getting excited just hearing me talk, just leading into this. Yeah. Um, where, where are we headed, Brian? Where are we headed? Guide me. <laughs> um, all right. I'll just jump into it. Jump in. Played 48 games this year. Did that, does that number, does that seem like a lot to you or based on what, or not a lot? But like the inverse of that. Yeah. 84 games. Because that means playoffs. Right. That means two games, <laughs> and then you got hurt <laughs> in the playoffs. Up the <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, that actually kind of took me to, by surprise. I realized he like he missed a fair portion of the season there. He missed a good time of the season for us not to care because it was that it was I think like November or December areas when he was out, and then he was just out for almost two months. I think right? November seventeenth. So he, he, he got came hurt early in the season. So before the injury, he was averaging 21 and 6, Mike. Yeah. And we were having conversations about what that meant. Pretty goddamn good. We were talking about, so, and I was doing this kind of um, almost uh, too much, comparing his age and his statistical output to the other players in the history of the NBA. Mm-hmm. And when you looked at 21 and 6, you saw one of the most productive young players ever yeah. from the guard position. So then he gets hurt, and uh, he comes back. And in that time, Spencer Dinwiddie has ascended to his Dinwiddiness um, and taken the reins. And you know, there's a bunch of different arguments you can make for how to adapt to that. And I think the one that most people settled on was like maybe not such a terrible thing. It helped anneal the team, you know, in a lot of ways. Like we weren't really playing for anything anyway. Didn't if 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 he's really playing that many games anyhow. Are we going to chalk those up as wins? Probably not. Um, all growth stuff's like, you know, we want D'Angelo Rose to play, obviously. But, uh, you know, in his absence, a lot of players stepped up and showed what they're capable of. Showed a little bit more responsibility and all that good stuff. And then D'Angelo Rose comes back and has a little bit of a hard time fitting in, Mike. It wasn't a, a you know, he didn't, he didn't go right back into his old, um, I'm, you know, the leader of this team, franchise cornerstone, um, bravado type player. Um, he he started to play off the ball a little bit more. Did a lot of interesting things that way. And and to be honest, you can construe that as a as a net positive too. And I, and I think I might actually do that. So you think it's a positive the way he came back and him not being as good. <laughs> um. So to say that he wasn't as good, I think is interesting because like so. Okay, so he played off the ball a whole lot more. So I just went back and watched some like the highlights from his games. Jeez, bro. I went I dug in. <laughs> I dug in. Hey, Georgie. George, Georgie did not like that take. Come here, um, G. Come here. Yeah. That that tone also triggered me. Um anyways. Um <laughs> yeah, I went back and watched some stuff. So <clears throat> there's like a big um I think there's like a, a a line in the sand, two kinds of point guards, right? There's the point guard that are often derided for making their pass and then sort of standing and watching the play as it transpires after they've 
done their thing. And then there are point guards that are sort of designed to pass the ball early in a possession, and then they run around and end up shooting corner threes and stuff like they're, you know, they're part of the play after that. Um, and and potentially the beneficiary of it. What's going on with your dog, Mike? You better get this beast under control. So she just want your attention. Um, anyways, so having watched some of the highlights from the beginning of the season to the end, is that because she licked the mic? Yeah. Gross as a smell. No. Ew, I bet it does. Um, so beginning of the end of the season, I've even in those like highlight packages that are, you know, the free Dawkins shout out to your boy free Dawkins. Yeah. Um, you can tell there's like a, there's a pretty significant difference in that kind of that style of play. Um, you see him, you know, most of those like 30 point games in the beginning of the season are on these like floaters and you're taking, you know, risky shots, things that you don't get a ton of return on, but you know, you're taking enough of them high volume and you're, you know, you're getting to your 30 point games that way. By the end of the season, he's having those games where he's, you know, making most of his living at the three point line, which is sort of how a Kenny Atkinson team is optimally running. Um, and uh, yeah, so like I think in the grand scheme of things, that injury at least forced him to sort of take a step back, watch the system a little bit more, integrate thusly, you know, and not be um, sort of the, the kind of the leader that he sort of seemed to want to be early on, which I think he could still very much be that way. But having an integrated D'Angelo Russell in either direction is a good thing. And, and it's also going to be from I think we need to remember the context with which he came onto this team. He came from the Lakers where he had, I've said this so many times, but I'll say it again, a weird Kobe Bryant final year to start D'Angelo's career. Yeah. And then that weird sort of mutant team that he was on with Lou Aldang and Timothy Mozgov and then Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle and himself the year before he came to the Nets. Yeah. And he was the leader of that team, even though they were very bad and he was super duper young. I think he was 20 years old at that point. Yeah. So he's coming here and our biggest concern was like, can he actually fit into the team dynamic? Is he a bad dude? Mm-hmm. That was like a big concern. I mean, that magic basically kicked him in the back on the way out, which is something that's so unmagic like. And then we were worried about the Nets and the Kenny, Kenny Atkinson system had been building out this like little collective group where everyone got to shine in their own little way, but they fit into the system. So then the feeling was like, is D'Angelo just going to blow that up? And I, he was not perfect. In this system, he was the most talented player on the team, but he wasn't perfect. Um, him going out for the injury is obviously more of a negative than it is a positive, but it did um, almost reset his thinking in a way because Dinwiddie was so good, as you were saying, and he had to fit into the team. He knew all the past criticism that he was a selfish guy, that all he cared about was scoring and you know pointing to his veins and showing that there are ice in it. Not about winning games, really. And he, I think he recognized that. He came here to the Nets from a much a much lower profile compared to being on the Lakers. Going out for injury, comes back, and then sees someone who's been playing really well. It did, it did, there's a huge positive for the fact that he was able to come back and not be <laughs> tremendously disruptive. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, overall in the season, how would you have graded him? I don't know. I mean... I think you give him a B plus. I think it's like, I mean, not, I'm not even asking you. You don't have to put a direct letter grade on him. I had a B. Uh, so I think it's like ultimately. For me, B is a good grade. I wasn't a good student. So, you know, that's, that's good for me. <laughs> it felt, it <laughs> yeah. felt fine going home yeah, with a B. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just that, you know, it wasn't. 
the the trade was a win for the Nets, unquestionably. Even though Mozgov is, you know, hilariously such an anchor on this team in terms of he just will never play. He'll never play for this team. Mm-hmm. He's he will never be reclamated. Um that and Brooke Lopez, you lose Brooke Lopez, you lose a first round pick that ended up being Kyle Kuzma. Everyone's upset about that, but you know, who knows if the Nets would have picked Kyle Kuzma. Um getting D'Angelo Russell was just a huge win. Regardless of what he will end up being, he what he is is a guy who can score thirty a night if on a really good night and kind of control the tempo of a game and actually win you basketball games as opposed to like I'm not going to compare directly to Spencer Dinwiddie, but there's a lot of point guards out there that don't win you games. They kind of keep you in them. They don't like they're just respectable. Yeah, he's I mean, a guy that will win. I'm I'm still like, and I kind of it surprises me that people don't feel this way. Like I'm pretty bullish on on d'angelo russell still like despite like 15 and 5 or whatever he ended up with it was 15 and 5 yeah um really solid numbers for a you know you're you're young you're getting traded to a new team um the system doesn't prioritize your play necessarily especially in the second half of the season um and you're still like putting up numbers you know that's like that's those are good solid numbers um so like that they didn't dip or anything like that he didn't have there was obviously no step back um and you can tell he learned a lot and then even still like watching a lot of those highlight packages like there are moments where he is really really an incredible basketball player he does things that nobody attempts to do nobody would conceive of doing he does really intricate smart um like mid he'll do like some like crossover move and then like flick a pass out of his butt at at the last (laughs) second it's pretty impressive the stuff that he can do so if you you know take two years to tile that together, which he, he presumably will, he's going to be an unbelievable basketball player. So I'm I'm still like yes all the way with D'Angelo. I, people are like they they like ring their knuckles or like hem and haw about saying that he's going to be really good, and I just don't feel that way. Like I've just seen what he could. He does really interesting things like. Like, so we've talked about this the, that you know like the James Harden esqueness and like the way that I kind of like communicate the genius of, of James Harden is that it's just about balance. You know, it's like that, that boxing thing where it's uh timing beats speed and precision beats power. Oh yeah. It's, like it's, it's a lot like that. <laughs> Cause like I'm watching these, these drives where he like beats, he doesn't, he never actually beats his, his man. He never like actually like ever gets his shoulders past them. He just keeps them, you know, in stride along the way. And then he just flicks up a layup like right at the last second, never, never gets pushed out of the play, never gets like driven away from the basket. And, and he just, and it's just about the timing, the bounce, the you know the pace of the drive. Never needs to beat anyone. He just he just makes it happen somehow magically. And everyone's just like, oh yeah, he's like he's good. He makes it. But those are really difficult things to do to just not be faster than the person that's guarding you and still you know make it to the basket that easily is. Um, it's it's a pretty like it's a pretty dynamic skill set. So um, like I I want to say like for all the people like because occasionally we get emails and there's never. There's very rarely anyone who's like, I'm a huge D'Angelo Russell fan. He's awesome. He's going to be amazing. It's, you know, that's just not the kind of fan base that he's fostered at this point. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's, you know, it's nobody's fault or whatever. It's not, you know, it's just not his trajectory. He's had a uh, sawtooth path to greatness. Mm. Um, or I what I suspect will be greatness. Um, but, you know, I just want to say that, like, I want to be right about this going forward. And so that's why I'm putting... My, I'm signing my contract here. He's going to be good. Signed, Brian. Okay, that's my bet. Got it. Do you not have that same kind of thinking? I want to lead a cautionary path for a second. Uh, okay, I'm I'm so pro D'Angelo Russell. So, it's unbelievable. It's so unpodcast. Unbelievable. Host like of you. 
So hot, uh, t- I want a hot take, damn it. Okay, but here's here's one thing I want to point out. So we do bring up the James Harden comparison, right? It, it, we bring it up, as you said, because he's a scoring guard who has passing ability that's next level, and he makes plays that not many other guys will make on the floor. He's not super athletic or quick, but he seems to always get off the shot whenever he wants it, and he can also shoot threes. Um, it doesn't make any sense to do a statistical comparison to Harden at 21 to D'Angelo because Harden started five games as a 21-year-old for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Of course, he was the super sub and all that. So, okay, the ceiling, right, is not even – you can't even say it's James Harden with D'Angelo Russell. I mean, that's a tough thing to say because James Harden is going to be MVP. Um, But let's say it's 90% of James Harden. That would be an all-star guard who controls the ball, who gets a lot of assists, scores the ball very well, but maybe isn't the ultimate, you know – I've said this before, but I think James Harden plays basketball perfectly more than any other guy in the NBA. The way he plays is the perfect way to play more than anyone else. Consistently, he's doing the right thing, at least to get his team points. Maybe not defensively. um, You know, whatever. We all, oh yeah, Harden's played better on defense this year. Okay, fine, whatever. One cautionary tale, Brian. Mm -hmm. Brandon Jennings. Okay, we all remember Brandon (laughs) Jennings. He is so <clears throat> unlike Brandon Jennings. Second year in the league for Brandon Jennings. I think Brandon Jennings was a 21-year-old in his second year in the league. Brandon Jennings averaged 16-5-4. D'Angelo Russell. Statistically similar. I'll give you that. Brandon Jennings shot 32% from three. So D'Angelo is at 35%, slightly better. And Brandon Jennings shot 39% from the field. D'Angelo shot 40.5%. Brandon Jennings' problem has never been shooting from three. Okay, so like what's we're also focused on being able to shoot from three now that all we look at is, oh, he's a 35 percent free three point shooter. That means he's good. He's good enough. Right. He gives us enough from there. We don't care what else he does on the floor. Brandon Jennings entire problem. The reason why he was out of the league and he's a guy who isn't any good is because he can never, never shoot twos. Shooting twos means. He can't finish at the basket as well, and he doesn't have any mid-range game. He couldn't finish at the hoop, like, full stop. He was right. not a good finisher for a guy who's all ball handling and speed. So Bad combination. D'Angelo Russell has more ability. One, he's a bigger player than Brandon Jennings, both in length and sort of girth, a little girthier. Brandon Jennings is like a skinny little little grasshopper, mm-hmm. where D'Angelo Russell is maybe, maybe more of a, a sloth, a sloth body to him. Mm. Sloths are very muscular. I don't know. <laughs> I saw one on the Rachel Ray show today. Very muscular creatures. Yeah. Um, not quite, um, you know, kangaroos. Kangaroos, fantastically muscular. Yeah. Um, but sloth. I think a sloth is a, a, is a compliment. Have you seen <clears throat> that video of a kangaroo who's like in a standoff with a dog? He looks like he's about to take out the dog. And the guy... Uh, like a hunter, some Australian hunter goes up to rescue the dog, and there's like a standoff with the kangaroo, and he just punches the kangaroo in the face, <laughs> <laughs> and it's stunned. Yeah. I mean, he had to do it. He had to do it. Would but it's you, just funny to think of. Would you eat kangaroo meat? Because that is served. Yeah. Yeah, I would. They're not too human-like for you? I don't have that thing where it's like, I, I would never eat. Like, hey, I'll, yeah, I'll eat But whatever. it's not human. It's, that's I'll eat thing. a human. I don't care. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> I'll eat dog, cat, human, rat, whatever it is. You would never eat a cat. Um, like here's the thing. If, if I was like, here's you know the sultan of country X Y Z that eats like, 
you know, a cat is a delicacy. I'm eating cat. Like, there's no way I'm going to say no to any culture that's like, this is what we eat. Right. I mean, maybe human. Maybe. And that's a maybe. <laughs> a deep maybe. Yeah. It's a probable. Yeah. It sounds like a probable for you. Yeah. Um, no, I'm kidding. I wouldn't eat a human. I just want to warn people. Go back to basketball reference because when, when you look up stats on basketball reference, and I appreciate this, they say, when you're, when you're citing stats from our website, please consider to credit us because we could use the publicity. How, how, first of all, basketball reference is the first thing that comes up. I don't even have to Google a basketball player and they come up. They have the best SEO I've ever seen. Speaking of I thought it was SOE. Tech, technetical. <laughs> technetical. I'll, 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 you know, I'll Google Kendall Jenner. Jenner. And, uh, Kendall Jenner? <laughs> Denver basketball reference page comes up. Kendall Jenner? Yeah. You know, from the Kardashians? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, great, great wingspan. Yes. Yeah. Um, basketball reference. Just look at Brandon Jennings' page. Look at his stats. Not that dissimilar from D'Angelo's. Again, they're different players, of course, but they are ball-dominant guards that aren't exactly point guards, but they are guards who handle the ball. There's a cautionary tale for D'Angelo. The, the path that could be taken for him is a guy who actually never shoots twos well. Again, D'Angelo is 35% from three. Fantastic. 40% overall from the field. That means he's not shooting that well from the field. So just my thing with him is actually don't work on your three-point shot. Work on it a little bit. Work on your twos. Work on finishing around the basket. Work on finding spots on the floor within the three-point arc that you know you're going to be able to get to. I mean, that, that's the thing that, like, why Durant and Curry, I mean, Curry's just otherworldly. But those guys, why they are phenomenal is because they know there are points within the three-point line that they, then they can get off shot. LeBron's game winner against the goat emoji LeBron when he beat Toronto or whatever, it was in game three against Toronto, when he hit that shot over OJ and Anobi, that was a spot on the floor that he practiced shooting from constantly. It was a two-point shot. That he practices from shooting from. D'Angelo Russell, I want him to practice shooting twos, not threes. Because if he improves shooting twos, his scoring is going to go up. His shoot three-point shooting is actually going to go up because they're going to respect him more. Don't become Brandon Jennings. Come, become, just be James Harden. Please just be James Harden, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, his... You you didn't pick up on my point earlier. And I really... I don't listen. I yeah. really wish you would have... You would have... Um, you would have listened and then you would have liked it because it's a good point. You know, there's a, there seems to be two kinds of point guards forming. It's this pass and stop playing. Like the John Wall, unfortunately, one of these players. That's who I thought of immediately. Yes. You know, and uh, Westbrook, even potentially probably one of these players. Barely passes, but yes. I don't know. I don't watch Mike Connolly. I'm assuming he's probably one of them. But like versus the Curry, Irving, Lowry, I guess, uh, contingent of point guards who, you know, are going to take a bunch of speedy cuts after making that entry pass. And he's one of, he's becoming one of those players. He's at least learning those those skills and that that way of playing. So the question is like what does Jeremy Lin do to to his production next year? How does Jer- cuz because of course he had on this team Karis LeVert who was actually kind of a point guard and Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie on the uh comments section of our last episode remember when I was like, "Hey, get, like Jeremy Lin fans like you know, I, I see you guys, you know, percolating on Twitter. Um, not your year. Don't do that. Immediately, <laughs> twi- first comment on the yeah. comment section, a giant, a wall of text about how good Jeremy Lin is, how underrated, how all this stuff is like, you guys heard un- 
Stoppable. Great defensive Unstoppable player. force. Great defensive player. <laughs> a lockdown defender. I mean, look, like well, that's the thing. we have to do. We always have to do compliment sandwiches whenever we, you know, <laughs> do this because he's great. We love him, but but stop doing that. Don't play basketball anymore for the Nets. It's too much, man. I don't know what to do with these with these Lin fans. The Jeremy Lin thing, and we'll get to it in the Jeremy Lin pod that we do. It was such a lost opportunity, not only to obviously he's good at basketball, so he would have made the team a lot better. Particularly when D'Angelo Russell went out, it would have been nice to have Jeremy Lin, but. He would have been the primest of prime candidates to get traded at the deadline. I know that's all I care about, but I mean, he makes twelve million dollars a year. He's a very productive point guard who's a great defender. Um, he would have been, he would have been given. Teams would have given up first round picks for a Jeremy Lin who's healthy. At at this deadline, I think it does. He's got this, a player option. He's not doing that. No, nobody's giving up a pick for that. Well, I think the idea, because by the time we got to the trade deadline, it became obvious that no one was going to make money this offseason. Jeremy Lin was going to opt into that contract, most likely, because he's going to make $12 million a year. And not many players are going to make $12 million in this offseason, besides like Paul George. Paul George. It's a tough sell. I think it's a tough sell at the deadline. Question, do the Nets get Kawhi Leonard? Yes. Answer yes. Okay, next guy. Uh, Oh, quickly about... D'Angelo Russell, um, season highlight for him. I racked my brain. I think it's when he was at Dykeman and he <laughs> hit the game winner from half court or whatever. Yeah, I think that's a game winner, right? Is there any other moment that more stands out than that in your head? Um, I think it's he had that game where he came in and shot like it's eight threes or whatever in the first yes. quarter. Yes, good yeah. point. But that was late in the season, right? Which meant more to me, you know. Yeah. Um, I'll go with that. Prediction for next year, I think he'll average 18 a game. No, he's going back up. Come on. I think it's going to be 18. He's going up to 22. You heard it here first. Very good. Joe Harris? Joe Harris. One of five Nets players who are free agents. Can you name the others? Quick. No. Ten. Nine. No. no. It's uh, Quincy AC. I haven't written down here. Jaleel Okafor. It's your boy Nick, Nick Stauskas. Whose and, cap uh, hold is like $11 million. And I read why, and it's a crazy reason. Do I want to know? They're going to have to renounce those rights. And my wife is home. Well. Um, so what are we going to do with Joe Harris? And Dante Cunningham's last one. Um, not Joe Jared? Ha- What's that? Not, <laughs> not Jared. Hashtag not Jared. Um, Bachelor fans out there. Yeah, so we give Joe Harris a contract. Um, we have his early bird rights. We can finagle a lot of interesting thing. We can finance a lot of interesting stuff. Very malleable. And also, he'd be just thankful for any contract we give him, I think, at this point. He really badly wants to be on the net. So everything that he's put out in the press communicates as much. He's. Uh, Do you know how badly he wants to stay here in New York? He did an interview with New York One. Yeah. New York One, where they went and he talked about his favorite pizza places in New York. Dude loves being here. Yeah. He wants to be here. He seems like the type of person that loves this Atkinson lifestyle that we that we deliver him. Um I think yeah. six million dollars a year, three year contract makes love, a lot of sense. I love the idea that Joe Harris is like, I love New York because I can just like blend in with the crowd. It's like, dude, doesn't matter you could go you could go to Oklahoma, you'd still blend in. <laughs> you'd be fine. I think you'd be fine. Utah would be a great town for you, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah. Anywhere you want to yeah. go. There is there is a default 
human about you, an aura about you that that will transcend the nets. I, I assure you. Besides his three point shooting, yeah, which is phenomenal. Hey, uh, those percentages are pretty good. Like, do you know what they are? Forty nine percent from from the field goal percentage range, and forty one from three point. Those are good numbers, Mike. And so that's also the key, right? Mm-hmm. Where I go back to the D'Angelo Russell thing where he's not a good two-point shooter. Mm-hmm. This is going to be my big thing. Two-point shooting is so underrated right now because all we care about is three. Joe Harris does make other baskets. He does that. He actually does get to the hoop. I think we cited a stat, I think it was from Zach Lowe, that's something like when Joe Harris is in a pick-and-roll action where either he's handling the ball or someone's shooting a three off of him or he's shooting a three, Number one in the league in terms of points per possession. There's some whatever situation he's in. All I hope for him is that someone doesn't come in and decide that he's a $12 million a year player. That he's not like this. I mean, the beauty of it is that even if they do decide that, there's a fleeting few teams that could actually part with that amount of cash. Um, Yes. So it seems very unlikely that he's going to not be signed as a free agent by the Nets. This is a perfect offseason for Joe. I mean, unfortunately for Joe Harris, this is the, the perfect offseason for him to come up for a contract if you're a Nets fan. Mm-hmm. Because if this was, whatever, three years ago, whenever the lock on it, or whenever the bubble bubbled, whenever mm-hmm. it was in the oven and then it bubbled up, the crust of pizza that is Roberta's Pizza, yeah. hashtag sponsor us Roberta's, yeah. um, he would be making so much more money. But the Nets can sign him at a decent contract. And here's the thing. I'm not mad at it either way. Like I kind of like Joe Harris. He's... Um, uh, like the Kyle Korver memes are are real, you know. Like that's that's a fair meme, you know. Despite you know that they're just like six eight and six nine nine. Is that how, how tall is Korver? Uh, they giving him six ten these days. What are they giving him? Oh, he's like whatever six eight. I'm always interested in that because it always changes. It always changes. It does yeah. always change. <laughs> it, it constantly changes. It's just on decisions that people just say, oh, yeah. Well, with LeBron, most of all. We, we, he's gone from being a 6'6", like 220-pound something, to a 6'9", yeah. 280. Miritich. Just, I was looking at Miritich because of yeah. Quincy AC coming up. Um, he's all over the place. 6'11 to 6'9". You can, you can get any, anywhere in between. I was anti-Miritich, and I like have to really eat that because he's, he's awesome for the Pelicans. And the Nets probably should have traded for him when they had the opportunity, giving up a Raptors pick. They don't not have an opportunity. I mean, he's got uh, a team option. No, what is it? Yes, a team option. So presumably they're going to resign him, but, yeah. um, but potentially not. Who knows? You know, anything could happen. But save that for the Quincy Ace conversation. Joe Harris. Joe Harris. Um, I think you know he's twenty five, twenty six. Should have looked it up. Twenty six. Is he twenty six? I think so. I still say there's a lot of room for growth. I think that there's a fourteen point season in Joe Harris's future. Absolutely. If if Alan Crabb wasn't here, not that I'm going to s on Alan Crabb right now. If he wasn't here, Joe Harris would be getting 12-ish. Well, he's gotten 11 points last season, so he would be getting 14 points. That's yeah. easy. He had yeah. 11 points this past season where he his role was emerging. Um, all I need from him is to be the same player. Like, do I need him to be better? I don't need Joe Harris to actually be better. He's already a massive bargain. If he signed at $6 million a deal, he's a, a big bargain. That's it's still still a great bargain for that guy who's one of the best three point shooters in the NBA and can still make two point shots. Do you think the reason that he his free throw percentage is only hovering around the low eighties is because of his wariness of the Kyle Korver memes? 
Because if he gets up to 90, <laughs> he's in trouble. He's going to be tethered to Kyle Korver forever. He's so intelligent, UVA yeah. grad, that he knows. <laughs> he actually shapes <laughs> points. Yeah. Or he's gotten into uh, gambling. He's been consumed by the Michael Cohen mob members Yeah, that Michael Cohen's involved with, with the Ukrainian-Russian mob that he actually shapes points during games. If he gets into 40, 50, 90 territory, then he's like, I have to keep this up. This is, this is a problem. So, like, who's a better player, Alan Crabb or Joe Harris? Just wow, better player. Damn, your, your Skip Baylessness is off the hook don't, right now. Don't think about money. <laughs> Just in your head, picture in your head who is a who's a player you'd rather have. Uh, you could say Alan Crab, but I think I would rather have Joe Harris because I I know what I'm going to get for Joe Harris. Here's the thing: I've I've sort of come around a little bit because of the Alan Crabb late season resurgence, having looked through those numbers a little bit, and I'm going to go... The three games... For, we'll for find, next week's deep dive. The fine three games. For next week's deep dive, we'll be Is talking more about the, the rareness of, Cal- of Alan Crabb's late season pyrotechnics. Ooh. <laughs> Mike, where did that come I from? I love that. Um, but anyways, I, I may be going to strike a different tone, if, if for nothing else, than to just uh, be opposed to you and your negativity your black hole of ne- negativity i'm sorry I, it's skip bayless here uh joe harris is a the player you'd rather have there's almost no question love alan crap great guy awesome no you love don't him. you're a hater you're <laughs> just a great guy but um <laughs> joe harris you know what you're going to get from joe harris which is over 40 percent from three drives the basket makes smart decisions and is not terrified to shoot the ball where alan crab at times during the season you're giving him a pass because of the contract and you know it you're like take the contract out of it and you haven't you're not <laughs> i can't separate it <laughs> yeah. from my own head right if um, you're taking the contract out of it then there's no way there's no way who's a better scientist shuri from black panther or bruce banner who's, Who, the who's a better what scientist scientist this is a debate raging on the internet shuri is uh Wait, black panther bruce banner the hulk oh so he's supposed to be. Aren't they all scientists? I don't in think Marvel? I've ever had a more disappointed tone <laughs> than I've ever had on this pod. We need to having who, some senior moments. Have you not part. seen Infinity War, bro? No, no. I'm not going to do that anymore. Hot with my take, time. good movie. <laughs> Hot take, good movie. People I, should go see it. It's not because I don't want to. It's just I just am not going to be doing the watching. I saw Civil War, whatever it was, on a plane, and I was like, "This is the last thing." This is the last one of these <laughs> that I ever do under any circumstances. Joe Harris. Yeah. Uh, I love that. That's our decision. That's how we reset the conversation. <laughs> yeah. We just say the person's name. That's our signal. Professional. Um, yes. I hope he comes back $6 million a year, three-year contract, then the Nets trade him for a first-round pick of the trade deadline next offseason. Ew. That's my dream for you. are cutthroat, dog. I'm just open first-round picks, You're man. a real businessman. The Bain Capital of basketball. That's what they call me. Is that not cool? Bain Capital? Yeah, that's what Mitt Romney's company. Oh, right, they, right. They were like vulture God. capitalists who I'm came in and sucked dry companies right, and sold them off. Private equity guys. Yeah. Um, business, business. Marketing, marketing. Yeah. So he's going to be back and another valuable contributor. And I don't think the Nets... The Nets will not regret the contract. Um, finally, one of the other free agents that you mentioned on this team, Quincy AC Brian. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Quincy here because, you know, I looked at the free agent class and outside of it's very top heavy, obviously, and there's some, you know, people to pick out. 
nobody really that does what Quincy AC does. You very know, if good you're, for you, Brian. <laughs> if you're looking for a <laughs> semi uh, three four stretch type player who bangs, I mean Nikola Mirotic, as we discussed, not not a banger, so to speak, but a guy has that will statistically do what Quincy AC does with you know a a, a, the multiples of three on it. Um, other guys that popped up, obviously, like the big, the big fish that is you know, often talked about is Aaron Gordon. Obviously, not a similar player, but like if you want to talk about what what Quincy AC does and then put some multipliers on it, <laughs> that's what you're getting out of Aaron Gordon, right? It's a three four who stretches the floor and does a little banging. It's kind of a, a unique model for a player. You don't see a lot of these guys out there. Um, and then the other one is not a stretch player. What, LeBron no. is right. I mean, you know, think think of the other ones. I, I mean, think I think it's basically like if you don't get LeBron, you have to get Quincy AC. I think that's a decision. If you're not banging, um, if, sorry, <laughs> just sample that. Um, if you're not shooting threes, uh, so my, I was looking at Montrezl Harrell, right? Who's just not at all a similar player. Yeah, but like for in terms of like a player who like would. Uh, do random acts of goodness, which is like what you want out of, <laughs> out of Quincy AC. That's sort of like a, a an equivalent player, right? Because like we're talking about Aaron Gordon v v Quincy AC, just in terms of skill set. But like one's actually good at those things, and the other one isn't. Yeah, right. So like the other side of that coin is what Quincy AC actually represents to the team, which is random acts of goodness. And Montrezl Harrell, although I think he's probably were you know I, I don't know what his market is, but I'm assuming it's probably pretty good because he had a nice season last year. Yeah, um, and he can play. F- Five when he he really shouldn't, but he can do that because he is such an aggressive rebounder, which is something that like rebounding is another thing, like two point field goal percentage that we don't really care that much about. But Harold is a guy that can play the five if he really had to, which AC did for the Nets right last season, which is insane. But that's the position that we especially considering he's a six three small forward. He's he's no there's no he's way he's 6'9". <laughs> They're talking about him being 6'9". I'm not buying that ever. Um but yeah, so um interesting spot to be in because like if if he's the kind of guy that's racking up a lot more DNPs, coach's decision, yeah, he's awesome to have on on your like deep end of the bench kind of style good team roster. That's a good that's a good way to view him. Cuz yeah. if he is cuz he still does shoot three kind of well. I mean, if you just looked at his three-point percentage again, you would think he's the perfect stretch four. Mm-hmm. If he's a guy who doesn't really need to play all that much and he does come in and make some fun things happen, then fine. Sort of. So what I did for him was I did a player comparison model. Wow. Who I don't want him to follow and who I do want him to you follow. You did a model? Were you crunching numbers? I was crunching numbers, bro. Wow. I was on my N64. <laughs> I created him as a player, and I played him in whatever NBA game would be on N64. NBA hang time. Um, Very good. It's good. Um, I hope he doesn't become Mo Spates. Maurice Spates, as I think he's a champion. I think he was on the Warriors when they won a championship. But dude, he you want him to be Mo Spates in your wildest dreams? Could Quincy easily be Mo Spates? What are no, you about? I don't because he, this is what I don't want. The Quincy AC that I really liked was the guy who fit much more into not doing anything. And then would do like three good things a game. I want three good things from him. Mm-hmm. I want to be Amir Johnson. Amir Johnson does like three or four good things a game, and that's it. Free agent this year, Amir Johnson. Mo Spates did eight good things, but 25 bad things. Um, Quincy Acey does a lot of bad things and then some good things. 
eliminate a few good things, give me no bad things, and I'm happy. That's all I want from him. I don't need him to be like I think part of his thing was that like, oh, I'm open, I gotta shoot this. Mm-hmm. Actually, you don't have to shoot it. Maybe you can make the decision to move the ball a little bit. I mean, of course he did, but I'm just saying, like, in general, I actually don't need you to shoot all your open shots. I need yeah. what I need from you is like to not do anything, to bang, yeah, to to get in your fights with Andre Drummond, and then sort of like, then maybe shine for like a two minute stretch. That's it. Go away. You know, it'd be that. That's all. And if he does that, he's going to be in the NBA for fifteen uh, here's what, years. Here's what it is. I think Quincy AC is so used to being an underdog that once he got some guaranteed twenty minutes run, like he, he stopped. He's, he he it, it messed with his mind. He's so used to the underdog way of life that he yes. couldn't adapt. So we got to give him some DNPs to fight for that position always. But then he adapted right back to it because yeah. he went back to be on the bench, and he was a great bench mob dude. Yeah, loved him. I, I want him back. I, I, honestly, I do want him back. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for I took a look at what's out there, like what who will actually be able to like make bids for. None of these players excite me, and honestly, like I know the devil I know right better than the one I don't. Quincy AC, come on back, brother. We want you back. Come on back. And I'll never forget. I think like in the G League team that he was on, he bought everyone like watches when he got promoted to the NBA. Class X. Seems like a total nice dude. I would like him to. I think there should be a nice guy roster spot. I think the NBA would be elevated if there was. There's two spots for G League guys. Give me a nice guy roster spot. We talked we talked a fair amount of S about Quincy <laughs> over the course of the season, yeah. and I'm feeling regretful about it. You know, he doesn't. He's out there. He's trying damn hard, Mike. He wants to win. He wants to do right by everybody. I don't get. I don't. There's not a bad bone in this man's body. I feel terrible. <laughs> I feel absolutely terrible. All right, let's let's think about our actions that we've had over the season. Yeah, guys, send in your grades of us to netspot at gmail. Let us know Dangerous. how you think we've done. Dangerous. How about the time I asked everyone to make us a new uh, <laughs> intro and then ghosted, <laughs> ghosted on the intros? That pod's coming in, I think, July. That will that's be. A good July that's, pod. Good, that's a good July pod. Um, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with three more players on the Nets to review. We'll do Alan Crabb for sure, and then we'll make the decisions on the other two. Um, thank you for listening, Brian. Wow, that ended so fast. There was no wind down. We just went right from Quincy AC to to it being over. iTunes ratings. Do we want them? We need them. Five. Five stars, please. Um, Almighty Baller, Nets Daily. Any other? Twitter. Twitter, Facebook, Microsoft. See you guys. Yeah, boy.